uh, addictive behaviors and those that are battling addiction. And, and the first way is this, that, that you're bad. You're bad. Shame on you. You're a sinner and you're going to hell. And don't come to our church because you might corrupt us. That, that's one view. That's a view that churches have. Another view, though, is what I call the good old boy view. All right? Like, hey, I drink and you drink and we all drink. Shh, just don't tell the preacher. Right? The good old boy view where it's kind of swept under the rug. We're just kind of keep it quiet. We're not going to tell anybody. And these are extremes, okay? These are extremes. In your notes, Galatians 5.21 says this. Drunkenness is a sin, and those who practice it will not inherit the kingdom of God. Church, we always have to go to God's word because God's word is truth. Amen? God's word is truth. Another view is what the Bible says. Number three, Jesus came to deliver us all from unrighteousness. Jesus came... To deliver us from unrighteousness. What does this mean? It means that God loves you as an individual. And he has a plan for your life even if you've messed it up. Is everybody listening? God loves you and has a plan for your life even if you've messed it up. God sent his son Jesus Not to tell us how bad we are, but to save us from our sins. Number one, so we can spend eternity with him. Number two, so that we would spend the rest of our days telling others of the freedom that Jesus has given to us. Amen? And one of the most awesome things, one of the most awesome things about God is this. He doesn't belittle us. He doesn't tell us how bad we are. The devil does that, right? Write this down. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't say there's no hope for us. No, Jesus came and he walked into the room where the people were drinking. They were drunk, where there were prostitutes. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Amen. He who believes in me will never die. Jesus came to set us free and he comes to us where we are, church. In the darkness, in the confusion, in the shame. Jesus comes. Hallelujah. And he wants to set us free from the traps and the entanglements that Satan wants to put upon us. You see, it's Satan that promises freedom and life and, and fun and no responsibilities and no consequences. It kind of reminds me of the story of Pinocchio. Do you remember the story of Pinocchio? Do you remember? Do you remember when he ran away and his father said, you know, come home straight from school. Don't hang out with the bad children. You remember Geppetto telling Pinocchio and then he started hanging out with the bad, what was it, a fox or something? He started hanging out with the bad kids, right? And where did the bad kids end up taking little Pinocchio? To, To 
Pleasure Island. Do you guys remember? Pleasure Island. That's where he went to Pleasure Island and they were going to stay up all night and smoke cigars and play pool. And they were told that Pleasure Island, it was 24-7 pleasure all the time. You just do whatever you want. You eat whatever you want. You stay up as late as you want. You just do it and have fun and have fun. And, And as you know, the little story goes on and Pinocchio grows some big ears. You guys remember that? He grows some big ears and he's watching all of his friends turn into donkeys. Do you guys remember? And and they all turned into slaves, right? Here's what we, here's what we know. We know that that Pinocchio is not a uh, a Bible story. It's not a Christian movie. But all pleasure, all the time. Doing whatever you want, living however you want, consuming whatever it is you want. You can fill in the blank, prescription, drugs, drugs, alcohol. 24-7 turns you, listen church, into a slave. Is everybody with me? It turns you into a slave. And then like Pinocchio, you wish you could be free. And you say, I'm going to be free. And you can't. And you find out you cannot leave that place. Is everybody with me? But here's the good news. Like in the story of Pinocchio, you have a loving father who's looking for you. Amen? You can say amen, church. You have a loving father who is searching the world for you. And he is going to find you. Amen? He is going to search for you until he finds you. God loves you. And he is going to find his child. And he comes to you. He crosses, as it were, the widest ocean, or we might say the galaxy, to communicate that he is kind and he is merciful and he is loving, not waiting for you to mess up but trying to keep you from harm, keep you from sin. That's the blank. Pain and regrets. You have a loving Heavenly Father. And some of you are actually here because God brought you here. Because He loves you. And He's got good news for you. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of James. James chapter 1. James is near the end of the Bible by Revelation, just a few books in front of it. James chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. For some of you, you're going to hear some things that you've never heard before. So I really want you to pay attention. Even, even I, would, I would pull a pen out and, and I would underline or circle uh, as, as we're reading. If this is something that's new to you, you don't know, you've not heard, go ahead and underline it. Go ahead and circle it. James 1, let's start with verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord promised to those who love him. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Some of you need to underline that. Because some of you, the devil has lied to you and say that God is tempting you. God is allowing you to be tempted. Listen, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Is that concrete enough for you? It's not God. 
who's tempting you, okay? But hold on, because some of you are saying, yeah, it's the devil. Mm, Let's find out. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Go ahead and underline that together. His own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, think of of a mother getting pregnant. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully developed, brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Listen, church, God does not want us to be deceived. He doesn't want us to be tricked. These pleasures, desires, temptations, whatever, fill in the blank with whatever you want. They are not freedom. And in the end, they are first slavery and then they end in death. I want to show you a little diagram on the screen that will help you the next time you are being tempted so that you can escape. I want you to imagine yourself here in in, in the middle, as it were. And I want you to imagine God is one way. So let's say the piano is kind of going God's way. And over here on this side is going the opposite way of God, going towards Satan and temptation. Satan can only lead you to the door of sin. Satan can maybe throw temptations or thoughts in your mind. He he, he will say, go ahead and do this. It's going to feel good. No one's going to get hurt. It's okay. You're missing out. You're missing out. See, this is how Satan tempts. But unlike popular opinion, the devil cannot make you do it. Write that down. The devil cannot make you sin against God. If you give in to temptation, it is your own desire. It is your own weakness. But when we do, when we do follow Satan, when we do come closer to him to check things out, to see if we might want to do this, when we do give in to temptation, Satan puts his claws into us and he digs them down deep. And he begins to manipulate and to control us. And once we give in to temptation, let me tell you what the devil does. When you give in to sin, he immediately begins to condemn you. He immediately begins to say something like this. Now what are you going to do? Your wife, I'm going to tell your wife about this. She's going to find out she's going to throw you out. And God hates you. You did what you said you were never going to do. And God hates you. God is done with you. God doesn't love you anymore. And now you're going to hell. You see, the devil tempts you, tempts you, tempts you. When you finally give in to temptation, then he just beats you down and just beats you down. He wants you to feel worthless, like you're nothing, like there's no one coming for you. But you have a God. Amen. You have a God. John 10, 10 says this, speaking of Satan, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy your 
life. That is what Satan has come to do. And when you give into temptation, you are moving away from God and you're moving closer to Satan's traps. When he traps you, that is when your life is destroyed. But did you know that God is still there? Did you know that God is still providing a way of escape for you? Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. Not too far away from James. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read verses 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. God is constantly providing you outs, ways of escape choices all the way up to the sin even though you're being tempted if you haven't given into temptation you haven't sinned all the way up to the sin there is a fork in the road church all the way is everyone listening there is a way of escape and God is cheering for you saying take my way come my way I will deliver you God loves you, church. I hope you're getting a different image of God in your mind today. He loves you. He is trying to save you. But you may say, Pastor, I'm beyond all that. I'm trapped. I I don't see a way out. I'm I'm addicted. How, How can I break free? Let's turn to the book of Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, the original prophecy that Pastor Chris shared with us this morning that Jesus read. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy to replace their mourning. The garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That they may be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. God sent Jesus to heal those that were broken hearted. And to proclaim liberty to those who have become bound. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus, listen church, Jesus did not die just so we could go to heaven. He came and he gave his life that we may live now. That we may live free now. Hallelujah. 
to give us life more abundantly. The same verse that says that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy is the same verse that Jesus said, but I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. A better life here on this earth. Oh, pastor, how can I be free? How can I be free, pastor? I want to be as practical as I can and as honest as I can. This isn't going to be easy because you have developed habits, an action pattern in your mind. It is all subconscious. It's it's kind of like for you driving a car. And I want to help all of us who don't battle addiction or never have. I want to help you understand what those that battle addiction go through. When when you get in your car and and, and you sit down, let me find a, a chair here. When you get in your car and you sit down, you're not thinking about anything. You open the door subconsciously. You don't say, left hand, pull door. Right? No, you just open the door. You sit down. You take your keys. You don't even look. We don't even look anymore. We just put our key in. We know where it goes. It finds its way in there. And we don't say, left hand on wheel, right foot on brake. Right? We're not telling our feet to do anything. We're not looking. Am I touching the brake? Is that the brake? We're not doing any of that. We put the key in. We we turn it. We put our hand on the steering wheel. We put it into reverse. Our eyes look at the rearview mirror and we back out, right? It is all subconscious. You don't tell your hands to do anything. You don't look at your little foot, right? You don't look at your feet when you're driving, right? No, you don't look at your feet. It is all completely subconscious, right? And those that are dealing with addiction, it has all become completely subconscious for them. Okay? And the devil overrides their mind. And they have built in horrible habits. And they're like a slave. Going right where the devil is drawing them. But church, we have some good news, don't we? We have good news that Jesus can break the chains that bind us. That through Jesus Christ, we can change. We can change. Jesus can come in and awaken us that we can begin to see things anew. How how do we do that? Number one, you have to be honest with yourself. Here's where it starts. Honest with yourself and say, I have a problem. I am sinning and I have an addiction. Is everybody with me? I have, I have to admit it. Number one, I have to admit it. I'm doing something that I no longer want to do. It is stealing my time. In fact, I am stealing to keep my habit going. It's, it's embarrassing to me now. I need help. Number one, you've got to admit it. You've got to ask God for help. That's the first step. Number two, ask Jesus. Say, Jesus, set me free. So many, so many are just so afraid to say those words. Jesus, set me free. Because you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried. But this is different because Jesus is able to set you free. Here's what Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says. Jesus said, come to 
me. Okay, do you remember the illustration? You in the middle, Satan over here, God over here. You guys remember? Come to me, Jesus is saying. Come to me, all of you that are weak and heavy laden with burdens, and I am going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What does yoke mean? It means the Christian life. It means the Christian way. It means following Christ and his word. It means coming to this house. That's the burden? Yeah, that's the burden of Christ. It is light, isn't it? It is a joy, is it not? Hallelujah. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said, and learn from me. Read the word of God and learn how we should live. Learn more about how kind and loving our God is. Learn that it's not God or Satan that's necessarily leading us into temptation. It's us. Is everybody with me, church? Jesus said, come and learn from me and you will find rest for your soul. Praise you, God. Praise you, God, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus has made the offer, come to me, walk towards God. Walk towards Jesus and he will set you free. Don't keep going towards the devil and temptations and enticements, but rather turn and come to Jesus. What does this mean? It's referring to control. Write that down. It's referring to control. Who's going to be in control of your life? Who's going to be in control of your life? You or God? If you're saying, look, pastor, I'm desperate. I am desperate. I need help. I will surrender. I will surrender to God. I will let Jesus be in charge of my life. When you do that, that that surrender... It is called surrender, and it means that you're giving, write this down, ownership of your life to Christ. And that's what it takes. You've got to give ownership of your life to Christ. And what is that? That is salvation. That is salvation. It means that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you are willing to now follow Him. You're willing to go His way. And when you ask Christ to come into your heart, you become part of a body. You become part of a church where we care for one another, where we walk alongside of one another. And you find a place to worship and you find a place to serve and rest for your soul. You're going to spend eternity with God in heaven and a life on earth that is more abundant. Amen? It is the power of Christ that sets us free from all sin, including addiction. So, why, why aren't more people free? Like, I know, I know people that are still not free. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. If you want to turn there, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this, In the last days... Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, unthankful, unholy, disobedient to parents, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, 
headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. Is that a pretty good description of our world today? Yeah, it is. The key verse, though, is this, having a form of godliness. It means you look religious, but denying the power of God, denying God to have authority in your life. Write that down. Not giving God control or authority in our lives. Listen, you can be free from addiction. And I've seen it both ways. The ones that submit to God's authority are delivered. And they are free. But I've also seen those who try to do everything on their own. They come to church. But they never really give God ultimate authority in their life. Here's what the scripture says. God is not mocked. God is not fooled. And this is crucial. This is critical. We must yield authority to God. That's what Lord means. It means that he is supreme authority over you. I will submit to you, God. I will obey you, God. You are king over my life, God. And when you do that... And when you say to God, I surrender all, that's when the power of God comes in and changes everything. Amen. And that's when you're made new. But this is not the end. This is only the beginning. Once you commit your life to Christ, you are connected to him. You are married to him. You share life with him. Number three, live for Christ. You see, before you were living only for yourself. You were only living for your own pleasures, doing exactly what you wanted to do. But now you're going to live for Christ. I want you to think about this. Before temptation even comes your way, turn towards Christ and walk towards Him. Begin to pray to Him. Begin to come to church. Begin to read the Bible. Begin to walk towards Christ. Put new habits in your life. And when you do that, you're going to find that your temptations are going to be less. And they're going to be less. As you begin new habits, you will find others falling away. As you spend time with God's God and His Word, you're going to hear the Holy Spirit saying, ah, ah, ah. Don't go, don't go back there. No, don't do that. No, no, don't say that. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He will guide you. But if you don't follow Christ, if you say, well, I don't need to go to church. I'll just go to AA. Listen, that's not the answer. That's not going to help you. Okay? That's not going to help you. If you don't listen to the voice of God, you will remain a slave Entrapped by Satan's lies. My dear brother, my dear sister, yield control. Yield authority to Jesus. Because he has power. He has the power to set you free. Amen? Hallelujah. Worship team, I'm going to invite you to come.
Everyone else, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to share with you how we're going to end our service. In just a moment, I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come. And they are going to be lined up across the front, and you're going to be able to come and pray with our prayer partners. I want you to come for anything. Anything. If you want to come because your son is battling addiction, then you come and you pray for your son. And you have someone pray with you. If you want to come because your parent is battling addiction, I want to challenge you to come. Do not let Satan say to you, oh, just stay in the seat. If somebody watches watches you go up there, then they're going to know. Do not listen to Satan. That's exactly what he wants you to do. He wants you to remain trapped. But Jesus wants you to be free. Amen? Jesus has come to set you free. Would you bow your heads with me? Because before we pray, the Lord is extending to all of us an offer of salvation. Jesus died to set you free. But you must admit that you have sinned. And you must accept his offer. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're seated anywhere from our middle aisle all the way over towards our piano, on this side, lower section, if you would like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, for him to wash away your sins and your past, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand high enough so I can see it. And we're going to pray. Is there anyone? I need Jesus to wash away my sins. This is the first step, church, in order to be free. Jesus, wash away my sins. Is there anyone? I need to be born again. Maybe you're seated in our balcony, this piano side. I need Jesus. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Christians, please be praying. There's a battle going on. Maybe you're seated at the opposite side. Pastor, I need to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I need Him to wash away all my sins. Maybe you're seated in the balcony today. I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. Today is the day. We're going to take time now to pray with those that have raised their hands. And I'm going to invite the whole church to pray with us. Would you repeat after me, dear God? I recognize that I have sinned against you. I have gone my own way. I've lived my own life. Father... Forgive me of my sins. Wash all of my sins away by the blood of Jesus. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise.